This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. The agenda here on the Blood Red channel. I'm Guy Clark. Welcome along with the Reds looking done and dusted with their summer transfer business for this year. Intrigues already developing around who Liverpool could look to land in 2023. Coming up, we'll be looking at three midfield options Jurgen Klopp may look to next summer as the Reds look to revitalise their engine room. Alongside me is Liverpool.com editor Matt Addison. And well, Matt, we've got Jude Bellingham, Nico Barella, and Luka Sucic to talk about. Plenty of intrigue, as I say, around who Liverpool could look to bring in. And, well, this is all, all I suppose, ready to take place in 12 months' time. Yeah, it's it's all set up nicely, isn't it, in terms of, of the Jude Bellingham one. That's kind of the obvious one. But I think what Arrhenia and Chouameni has shown Liverpool this summer, obviously chose Real Madrid over Liverpool and one or two other clubs, is that they're going to have to have a couple more options in mind. I think with Jude Bellingham, to be fair, I think if if Liverpool was on the table, I can see him certainly being interested in that move. I don't think it would necessarily have the same outcome if it was Real Madrid and Liverpool that, that went for Bellingham in a year's time. But of course, there's other things that could come into it as well. You think of the World Cup, you think of the price tag, all of the, the rest of it. Obviously, his contract would be another year closer to expiring at Dortmund. So that kind of weakens their position a little bit. But, you know, things can change and, and Liverpool will have to have other names on the shortlist. But yeah, right now it, it does seem fairly obvious, doesn't it, to, to put that two and two together. And we'll see whether it adds up to four of obviously Jude Bellingham is available probably next summer more so certainly than this summer. And for now, we don't expect Liverpool to make any more additions. So yeah, I can see why people are getting excited about Bellingham. I'm sure it's not the last time we're going to talk about him this summer, forget throughout the, the rest of, of this season. But yeah, it's it's certainly one to keep an eye on. But I think there's probably one or two more options that Liverpool will have just in case that doesn't come off as well. How logical do you think it is, kind of, the, and the the understanding that Liverpool done for this year, and the midfield may now have to wait until next year? Because I suppose if you look at it for for kind of team building purposes, Ibrahim Akanate, who arrived last year, is I would argue far from being a nailed down first choice right now. He and Joel Matip shared a lot of minutes last year, and this season may be the one where he really does cement himself as Virgil Van Dijk's out and out first choice partner. The attacking department, of course. The overhaul began there with Luis Diaz arriving in January. Darwin Nunez now has arrived during the off-season. It feels as though maybe if the midfield was looked to be rebuilt this year, might be a bit too much going on too soon across the board. Yeah, possibly. I think maybe you take one area of the team at a time, don't you? I think it, it wasn't just Conate last summer. It was kind of Simicast as well. Obviously, he'd been there for a year at that point, but that was the point where he really kicked on and, and started to, to be a, a genuine option for Liverpool. So I think they're they're pretty sorted there. Obviously, goalkeepers, they're pretty sorted. It looks like Quivine Kelleher for now, at least, is still happy to be at Liverpool. So the midfield is kind of the area that they've kind of I suppose accepted really that they're, they're going to have to do something sooner rather than later. Obviously, like you say, you probably want to bridge that gap at some point as well. I mean, the only thing that I would think uh, possibly next summer is, is there a chance that they have to, to end up doing two in that position? You think of obviously James Milner potentially, um, it, it, well, probably I would say, but you never know with him is, is going to be his, his last season this season with that one year extension. You then look at Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. The suggestion at the moment seems to be that they think that he'll stay this season. I can kind of see the, the logic behind that, but I think it'd be very, very hard to see him getting a new contract. So that's immediately two names that would probably almost certainly be moving on 
you know, latest kind of next summer. So I don't know, you, you are kind of looking at it and thinking maybe there's there's space for, for more than just one player. And obviously that being the case, you'd then th- logically go, well, maybe if they did one this year, one next year, that could make a bit more sense. But I suppose we said the exact same thing, didn't we, last year? I remember doing one of, of these podcasts last summer saying, well, Gini Wijnaldum's moved on. If they don't do one this summer, they're probably going to have to do two next summer. As it's happened, they've not even done one. So, yeah, you, you never quite know what Liverpool are thinking. For me, the, the succession plan, it would make sense to do it in stages, do one this summer, one next summer. But if they end up doing two next summer, I'm sure you know they'll, they'll have done the, the right sort of work to, to make sure that those are the right players. And ultimately, I suppose that's what they'd argue, isn't it? If you have to wait 12 months, but you wait 12 months and get the one that you want, it's probably better than just going and getting a short term or, or stopgap option this summer just for, for one season. Yeah, definitely. I, I suppose then let's consider the names on the list. As I say, we've got three options that we're going to talk about, but the way we know Liverpool do their business, I'm sure there'll be a, be a plethora of names on that list that they, they probably will, will scatter gun, go for all at once and then decide which deal is the best for them to conclude. But I think a lot of people getting very excited, and I suppose the man who'd be right at the top of the list right now is Jude Bellingham. Explain why. Matt, he would be the man at the top of the list right now for a new midfielder at Liverpool. Yeah, I think he ticks a lot of boxes. I think obviously the fact that he's English is something important. And I think you know, I've had a, a few questions actually over the last few weeks and in various different places as to why why does it matter? Why do we always say he's English and that's a, a big tick? But of course, it's around the, the kind of Premier League regulations and the rules that you've got to have a certain number of those players in your squad. I think if you get Jude Bellingham, He's not just English, but he's you know a top quality option that you can put into your team and you'd imagine would be there for, for 10, 12, maybe more seasons if you wanted him to be. I think that's that's a huge thing for, for Liverpool to look at. Again, you're looking at Milner, Oxlade-Chamberlain, other players like that potentially moving on. Again, that is something that Liverpool are going to have to think about and you don't want to get into a position that I think that a club like Tottenham, for example, this summer is having a bit of, of trouble trying to, to identify sort of English talents because they've got to a position where they need that to be the case. I think you know, the suggestion is that they're interested in Anthony Gordon from Everton and a big part of, of that, reading a couple of, of the reports around it, is that they're after young English talent. Liverpool don't want to get themselves into a position where they're sort of forced to go for certain players that they don't particularly want. Jude Bellingham ticks that box but would also have you know a lot of, of the qualities that you'd expect from a Liverpool midfielder. So, yeah, he's very, very young. I think that's the, the one thing that I would say in terms of, of spending a huge amount of money on him. I suppose that the counterpoint to that is that he spent a couple of years at Dortmund by 2023. It'll be three full seasons that he's had there where he's pretty much been a regular. There's been you know a few different periods across that time, I think, where he's not played week in, week out. and Maybe he's been on the bench a little bit more and, and been a little bit more cons- inconsistent. But uh, generally speaking, of course, he'd, he'd, he's still only a teenager, but in terms of, of football terms, a little bit like Harvey Elliott, he's he's not really a teenager in terms of how many years of, of senior football he's had. So we do tend to see Liverpool go for kind of 23, 24, but I think that's more a case of you've got enough kind of enough of a body of evidence really to, to build up a, a real picture of what that player is about. I think with Jude Bellingham, you're not going to have to wait until 23-24 because if you did, he'd then have sort of six seasons of, of Champions League football under his belt. So, yeah, I think it's 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 one of those that it makes sense on a number of levels, not least he's just a, a really, really good footballer. You can kind of 
pitch him really as a as a Jordan Henderson successor in that number eight role. And I think that's probably what Liverpool are going to be looking for. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, definitely. He's a player who turns 19 tomorrow, actually. So I'm sure a number of Liverpool fans will be blowing up in his notifications across social media, wishing him a happy birthday. He's, he's played 90 times during his two years at Borussia Dortmund. So, as you say, not all of those starts, but has been somewhat of a regular player for them. And 15 caps for England as well. He, he does seem to tick a number of boxes, but equally not always kind of seen that crossover from players coming from the Bundesliga to perform really well at Liverpool. And, and I suppose with just the fact that he is English, as you say, that clamour, it kind of, a mystique within playing in a foreign league kind of seems to build and build and build. And we, I suppose we saw it with Jadon Sancho, didn't we? Eventually it kind of moves beyond the uh, a level where Liverpool are comfortable doing a deal because at times the player in the fee can, can get overinflated. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I think that the Jaden Sancho one is is really interesting. I think that possibly could have put a few people off in terms of what he's done for Manchester United. But I think for me, I'd make the argument that if Liverpool had signed Jaden Sancho, then it would have been a completely different story. I think if you implement him into a team that kind of works properly and has got good quality in all positions, they know exactly how they're playing. I think you really see the the true quality with these players. So. I think it's it's one of those where it's it's not just the mystique around him being English, but it's also Borussia Dortmund as well. They've got that sort of conveyor belt of talent, generally speaking. If you know that he's one of the better players at Borussia Dortmund, then he's probably going to take that next step sooner rather than later. There's been one or two exceptions. Marco Royce, for example, never never quite made that move, but pretty much all of the others, Erling Haaland, we've seen. There's so many other, other examples, and obviously Jurgen Klopp at Dortmund was one of the, the big reasons for that obviously could be the other way around now where he's looking to, to poach from them. But I just think it's it, it's a deal that makes sense in, in so many ways. I think people who've, who've watched Dortmund consistently over the last couple of seasons, particularly in the season just gone, would say that Erling Haaland and, and Jude Bellingham were the two real standouts, not just in terms of their ability, but also kind of their leadership and, and their role within that Dortmund squad, I think is is really crucial and really important. So obviously we know how much Liverpool take into account the the kind of off-field stuff. Obviously anyone who, who plays with him with England will be able to, to give them a bit of a lowdown of, of what he's like, but it really does see, seem to, to be that he's taken on a bit more of a, a leadership role at, at Dortmund this season, which I suppose is a little bit of... Um, a, a criticism almost of, of the rest of their squad in that Erling Haaland's only very young himself. Obviously, Bellingham's still only a teenager. If if those two are, are you kind of real leaders in that team, it, it maybe doesn't say much for, for the state that Dortmund find themselves in. But at the same time, I think it's been a really, really good opportunity for those two to, to step up and, and take the next step in their career. And you'd imagine Bellingham would, would do similar next season as well. If he has a third consistent season for Dortmund, takes that next step forward in terms of that as well. It's it's only going to continue to to tick things off for Liverpool to make that move. Yeah, no, very much so. Next name on our list then is Nicolo Barella, a man who I suppose uh, the the I wouldn't say opposite end to Jude Bellingham because as you say he's, he has played a number of games, but a guy who has, has won a domestic league, who's tasted success at international level as well with Italy winning Euro twenty twenty. He's been a player who, who long-term has been, I suppose, on the radar for Liverpool. And we know that the way in which they, they operate. They, If they see a player at a young age, they often will keep tabs on him. Don't often, though, see players leaving Italy, as Nicola Barella would be doing, and 
in coming across to the Premier League. Yeah, no, it's a it's a strange one, isn't it? In terms of of the Italian teams, they've kind of swapped players about between themselves a lot. We've not seen too many of, of the top talents move and, and certainly move and be successful when you think of someone like Romelu Lukaku as well. Obviously, they've been in England before, but it's not particularly worked from him coming out of, of Serie A where he looked at his best. But yeah, Nicola Barella is, is a really interesting one. I think, you know, Jurgen Klopp clearly is, is a massive fan of him. You could tell, I think, when Liverpool played Inter in the Champions League earlier in the season, he was suspended for, for both of, of those games, having been sent off against Real Madrid. But Jurgen Klopp, in, in both of his pre-match press conferences, was very, very pleased that his team didn't have to come up with, uh, come up against uh, Barella in, in those matches. And I think he's certainly one of, if not the best player in, in the Inter team. So you can kind of, you can see why that is. I think, you know, you, you go through the numbers, you can see why Liverpool might be interested in him. I think he's probably slightly more of a, an attacking player than, than Jude Bellingham. He's certainly got the, the kind of profile of being able to progress the ball and, and get the ball into dangerous areas. The only thing I would say is that whilst his attacking numbers are really good defensively, not particularly brilliant, doesn't show up brilliantly in the metrics, but you know potentially that's just a kind of, of style thing. Maybe that's something that Liverpool could turn him into to a bit more of, of what they want. But you, know, you, you look at, at the attacking numbers, he's kind of 95th percentile for progressive passes received, which obviously you could imagine Thiago from deep playing those balls into him, him finding those pockets of space. That's the kind of midfielder that Liverpool probably lacked at, at certain times last season. I suppose you can make the argument that Harvey Elliott could potentially become that, but maybe isn't quite that or certainly quite at, at that level just yet. Touches in the opponent's penalty area, 96th percentile, 91st for successful dribbles, 88th for progressive passes. I mean, you are kind of painting the picture with those numbers of a player that, that Liverpool probably do lack. He's, he's that kind of number 10 type profile, but could slot into to a midfield three and, and really work well with what Liverpool already have. But it's one of those, the, the defensive numbers do worry me. You look at kind of 10th percentile for interceptions, 7th for pressures, 41st for, for tackles, so that's a little bit better, but even that isn't great. Even if you are a number 10 at Liverpool, you're going to have to show a little bit more of that. Like I say, it, it could just be that his role at Inter simply isn't to press the ball and they play in a different way, but it doesn't look great to me on paper for a Liverpool player. No, most definitely. And I, I suppose he's also at the older spectrum of, of those players who we are going to talk about as well, even though he is only in his mid-twenties. A final name on the list then to talk about is Luka Sucic, who is part of the Red Bull Salzburg setup. He's an Austrian midfield player who is coming through at Salzburg. And we know the link that Liverpool have had with the Red Bull clubs in particular. He, he's just had his first season where he's played more than 25 league games in a campaign. I think I'm right in saying across all competitions, he scored 11 goals. And I suppose it, it goes further on, I suppose, the style of midfielder we're talking about today are all kind of those who would more likely fit into the eight roles as opposed to two or many who we spoke about right at the start. Very much more kind of seen as one of those deeper midfield players. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I've not watched loads of, of Lukas Sucic, but he does look a really, really interesting player. The kind of profile that, that stands out to you is one that you could mould into to that number eight role. He kind of 
reminds you a little bit of a, a Jones or an Elliot where you can tell his instinct is to be a lot more creative and, and take a lot more risks. You mentioned the goals there, just having a watch of, of those before we started recording. There seems to be, you know, four or five at least this season from outside the box. He team seems to, to do a lot of things that Liverpool probably try and talk their midfielders out of a lot of the time. But he's got those attacking instincts. He's certainly a player that I think is is certainly one to watch over the next few seasons. Obviously, one that, that Liverpool will be aware of. They probably will come up against him in pre-season, of course, when they play Salzburg later this summer. So I think he's, he's an interesting player. Having a watch of him actually just before, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Martin Odegaard. I think it's interesting as well. He's kind of a left-footed player in that position. Obviously, Harvey Elliott is, is one of those for, for Liverpool, but they do have a little bit of a lack of, of left-footed players at the moment in that team. So that could be could be something to, to look at. But I think for me, he's one that you'd probably keep monitoring for, for the next two, three, four seasons, maybe slightly longer maybe let him go to, to somewhere else, maybe somewhere in the Premier League, maybe to, to Leipzig or, or wherever it might be and see how he does there and, and then make that move afterwards and let somebody else take the risk on him. I think he's still only a teenager himself, I think 19. So there's still a bit of work to do. There's still a lot of, of development. It would be a big step to go from Salzburg to, to Liverpool. But yeah, you, you never know. It, it, it's one of those that maybe... Maybe, and, and just this is completely hypothetical, but if Jesse Marsh, for example, was to stay at Leeds United for a couple more seasons, maybe they could become the kind of Red Bull, but in England for Liverpool to, to make that jump from. So I think there's there's certainly a lot to like about him, but I suspect he would probably make another move before Liverpool come in for him. Yeah, so before he's an Austrian midfield player, he plays his football for Croatia in the international setup. Dual nationality, born in Austria, but raised by uh, Croatian parents, and and that is kind of the the nation that he, he plays for. And I mean, it's it's fascinating. He's he's nineteen to turn twenty, and I suppose he, he's he's said in the past, Luka Modric is kind of his his footballing hero. And I suppose when you look at it, with Darwin Nunez coming in and being the successor to both Edinson Cavani and Luis Suarez. Yeah, Luis Suarez at Uruguay. I suppose, as we mentioned there, Luka Sucic could be the, the long-term replacement for Luka Modric in that Croatian midfield. And I suppose, as you say, he's he's one of those who, turning 20 in September, it is all about the potential. And I suppose that rings true with Jude Bellingham, but Bellingham more so probably has the catalogue behind him already, the experience to say he would be ready to fit into the Liverpool midfield. And I suppose with, with both Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott, albeit they've got this next season perhaps to become more first-team regular players, surely Liverpool are going to want a kind of plug-in-and-play option who is ready to immediately go into that midfield rather than maybe a developmental option. Yeah, I think Bellingham has certainly got the edge. Obviously, he'd be a lot more expensive, but he's played in the Bundesliga. He's played in the Champions League already. He's played for England. He's got that experience to, to be able to, to come straight in. But I suppose part of it comes back to where they see Fabio Cavallio as well. In, in two or three years' time, we could be talking about him as exactly this midfielder. I think that's certainly where I would see him, possibly not straight away. I think there's there's certainly sense in pl- plugging him into to the front three, at, you know, Carabao and, and FA Cup games, for example, next season, maybe a couple of times in the Premier League as well. But if he ultimately is going to be one of these creative number eights that plays in that role as well, I mean... Curtis Jones, I absolutely love Harvey Elliott. I think is is nailed on to play for Liverpool for for a number of seasons. There's there's probably only so many of this profile that you can have at one club. But yeah, lots of of things still to be determined. And 
you know, Fabio Cavallio could end up in the front line long term. Who knows? It, it might not be the case that he does move back eventually. But yeah, we'll see what happens. But I think Luka Sucic is, is certainly one of those to keep an eye on. Do you, do you feel there's kind of a need for whichever midfield option? As you say, there, there may even next summer be two midfield options that are going to be needed should the number of players move on at the end of the season. But do you think maybe, uh, I suppose, top of the list, the first one who comes in, be a player who is versatile to play, perhaps if Liverpool were to move to a 4-2-3-1, as well as playing a 4-3-3? So, albeit playing maybe that deeper kind of double pivot role or equally playing one of those more higher and advanced roles? Yeah, I think it's, for me, it's got to be someone that can play as a box-to-box number eight, but can also play as, as one of the two sixes in a 4-2-3-1. I don't think they need another number 10 because they've got Firmino, Cavallio, Elliot, Jones. You've got a number of players that can play in, in that role. But I think to, to have someone in that creative position as a number eight, I think is basically what Liverpool are, are working towards, isn't it? Obviously, Harvey Elliott is one of those, but you've got to have other options as well that can do that link, I think. You know, to, to have someone who can play as a six without Fabinho being there, you could see maybe a, a Thiago and a Henderson being a two. Obviously, those two both over 30. Is there somebody else that you could bring in that could do that as well? I think, you know, Jude Bellingham possibly is, is one of those that could play that role alongside somebody else. Probably wouldn't fancy him to, to play as a six on his own, but I think there's there's certainly the potential to, to play him alongside somebody else. It's just a case of, of which of these players, Lukas Sucic, for example, looks a bit more of a 10 than an 8. He's kind of that way you play him a little bit further forward rather than a little bit further back. But I don't know, it's it's one of those that Liverpool have got to think about. We we do all keep talking about this 4-2-3-1 and does Darwin Nunez mean that they're going to do that? Does Fabio Cavallio mean, you know, is he going to play as, as a number 10? But I don't think it's a guarantee that Liverpool play that. It wouldn't surprise me if 90, 95% of the time they're still in a four, four uh, in a four three three next season. So, yeah, there's there's still plenty of, of things to think about. But to have someone who can do the six and the eight, or as a double pivot and, and a number eight as well, I think I think for me at this stage at least that's got to be the priority. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp certainly has enjoyed having kind of those those versatile options around the squad and maybe in the midfield, the next area that we could see that. But that is it from us on this edition of The Agenda. Let us know what you think and who in the comments section you would like to see Liverpool targeting to perhaps come in to revitalise that midfield in 2023. But from myself, Guy Clark and Matt Addison, thanks for your time and your company here on Blood Red. It's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.